An Irish independent digital subscription doesn't just get you the news. It gets you the best of Ireland's stories all in one place. Whether it's the best of politics, business, sport, entertainment or lifestyle. Get it all for just €4 Euro a month for 12 months when you first subscribe. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish independent. Terms and conditions apply. Cancel any time. On this week's Big Tech Show, when you travel, how do you avoid getting completely ripped off on roaming charges outside of Europe? And what are some of the travel hacks you should know about that aren't included in the tech you buy? We give you all the tips you need to know. On top of my list, Adrian, is my noise cancelling headphones. When I put them on, I love that it just goes boom and you're in this kind of sonic bubble and you can't hear the baby and you can't hear that weird frequency of the aircon on the airplane. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Hello and welcome to the throw-in independent.ie's GAA podcast. I'm Will Slattery and we have another great show lined up for you today. In just a moment, we'll look back at the Leinster Hurling final and the blockbuster qualifier draw with John Milan. But first, I'm joined in studio by Rory O'Connor of Rory's Stories, Donica Boyle of the Irish Independent, former Cork Camogie star Anna Geary and Mayo legend David Brady. And I don't know about you guys, but my week's starting to revolve around 8.35 on a Monday morning in Morning Ireland as we kind of get the next kind of slate of qualifier matches. Today we got two big ones in the hurling, Anna, Dublin Tip and Kilkenny Waterford, which is going to be a cracking doubleheader in Thurles now. Yeah, it is. And I think from a Kilkenny point of view, they probably wouldn't have been overly happy with their, their performance against Limerick. So they'll be feeling now that, you know, they have something to prove. I mean, John actually alludes to the fact that Waterford would have loved someone like Kilkenny. I believe he said that a few weeks ago. Now they have it. So I think, you know, Waterford, again, their disappointment over Cork, but they kind of started to redeem themselves. We saw them working a lot better against Offaly. So I think the last time Kilkenny were in the qualifiers was in 2013 and it took them extra time to actually beat Waterford. So maybe it's going to be a repeat of that now in a few in next weekend. Yeah, John, you were awfully bullish uh, before the draw about wanting to draw Kilkenny. <laughs> now that it's actually come true, are you still as confident? <laughs> I said drawing them in round one. I thought last weekend was the, was the weekend to... Uh, to pull Kilkenny out of the hash. Uh, I'm still confident that our lads will, 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 will go and, and get the job done Saturday night. But I thought last Saturday night, I thought Kilkenny were there for the taking. Um, I thought there was a bit of uncertainty. They were unsure about one another. There was a bit of vulnerability. Um, but now I think, you know, they're 70 minutes into Michael Fenley. Uh, you know, I think they're going to have a wounded Richie Hogan, a wounded Colin Fenley. Um, I think Kevin Kelly will come into the team. Um, and I think they'll have that, that best 15 hours, but it has the, it has, it's a mouth-watering prospect ahead of us Saturday night. Um, and look, as I said, as soon as the draw was made this morning, I'd like to text me, you know, bring it on, you know. <laughs> the Waterford fans, you know, Waterford Kilkenny, you know, it brings on a life of its own. Although we've never beaten them since 1959, we're still waiting for that famous victory. Please God, it can happen Saturday night, but it's just one, one fixture we're really looking forward to. Yeah, Donegal Waterford ran Kilkenny really close in both Ireland mm-hmm. semi-finals last year, and they're actually going into this game as underdogs. Um, do you think that's fair? Do you think they should maybe be a bit more favoured? Um, I, I always think it's hard for teams to end a, a run like that. If if you've been under the thumb for so long, I think you have to be not just a little bit. You have to be a little bit extra better than them if that makes sense to end that run because it's very it's psychological. It's ingrained in you at that stage. We don't beat these guys. How do we actually? go and, and, and break our duck and do it so um, I actually to be honest this morning I kind of wanted Kilkenny Tipperary um, I don't, don't think you were the only one what? don't think you were the only one no that's the one I really wanted now because I think they're both in a very sort of strange place for them um, and if they had to face off that would have been absolutely happy but look this is great that'll be great as well um, um, I, I kind of fancy Waterford to be honest with you um, yeah, Anna, you said you were at the Kilkenny-Limerick game at the weekend. Was there anything you saw there from Kilkenny to suggest they can kind of come back into the championship in a meaningful way? I know Mick Fenley had a great mm-hmm. game and every time he touched the ball, it seemed there was an explosion from the crowd. What did you make of how he went on the team? Yeah, like I think, I mean, Limerick always bring that physical, you know, presence and I think a lot of the guys woke up the next morning very, very sore. But 
Kilkenny's ability still to win the Rooks for me was a big thing and when the likes of TJ Reid and Richie Hogan weren't at their best the likes of Walter Walsh then stepped up for me I suppose putting in Parag Walsh at number three you know I mean full back it's not he doesn't have plenty of experience there but he he slotted in quite comfortably and Killian Buckley the same at centre back so you know if you can have the two of them playing well because they're two fantastic talents and to have them in those key positions and like you said Fenley has another 70 minutes under his belt. I think it's their forwards need to just be a lot more clinical. Now, things didn't go right for the ones that were there, but, you know, Blanchfield came in and all these guys, again, people are writing them off, but I, I wouldn't write Kilkenny off. I think you do so at your pearl because they'll learn a lot of, an awful lot about themselves. They won't fear Waterford. I think that's a big thing, isn't it? The, the three and sixes look settled now because they've mm-hmm. been kind of rooting around with that all Definitely, year. And yeah. I think Jackie Tyrrell said a few weeks ago that he loved to see Killian Buckley at six. He played him in a, a club match there and he thought that's where he was going to be long term. They have three and six sorted. Michael Fenley in the game. Yeah. Uh, still have TJ Reid and still have Richie Hogan. You know, <laughs> there's plenty there to work with. Yeah, definitely. And, so, and for the other game in the doubleheader, Tip uh, against Dublin, you know, Tip only beat Westmead by nine points. A relatively comprehensive win, but the handicap was 24 points. So... They, they, we were expecting them, maybe John, to have a really big kind of backlash after losing to Cork, but it didn't really materialise. No, it didn't. It didn't. Uh, and I suppose, look, it's it's hard to know what's going on up in Tip, but one thing about Tipper areas are in, they're in the next round of the draw. I don't think winning by 25 points or 30 points would have done them any good mm-hmm. going into the next round. Um, but, you know, there is a bit of uncertainty there as well, but I think the one man who would have been delighted with today's draw would have been Michael Ryan Tipperary. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's another winnable game. They win that game, they're in the quarter final. Probably get Cottle Barrett back uh, into the into the free. And the longer they stay in the championship, uh, the more dangerous they're going to become as 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 the as the games as the games progress. Yeah, Rory, we were talking a while back that you know if Mayo ever do win in All Ireland, you know David would love it, but we'd love to be in Mayo then for the week after for the party. But this Saturday in Turles and this Sunday with the Munster hurling fans going to be special. I have a B&B booked in Barcelona for Saturday night, so I'm going down for the <laughs> festival of hurling. So I, I did a banking on the fact that there could be a double header, so I'm absolutely delighted for myself personally. What game kind of out of the three of those do you think would be the best, Onika? Um, I'm really interested to see what I was in the lift in Crow Park the other day and a Tipperary man said I won't name him but he says he says Jesus he says, there's no way Kilkenny could come back and win this one um, so you know they still have everyone spooked even though they're you know maybe not where they were um, so I'm very interested to see where, where Kilkenny are this weekend um, the other thing about the double header is um, if you were Dublin you wouldn't be happy now you, you, you know you've been sent down to the home of the All-Ireland mm-hmm. Champions everyone else is getting a neutral venue they're getting effectively a way venue now you can argue the Dublin footballers get it all the time but if you're Gerard Cunningham like, you can't be happy mm-hmm. with that like, I'm not sure the reasons behind it the explanation I know it suits you know logistically yeah. but even though it's a port leash, it wasn't even, you know, and that would probably have suited Dublin better because it's a little bit of a tighter pitch than Thurless. But I wouldn't, like, I don't think any advantage given the opposition is something, especially Thurless, because, you know, it is, it is there's a great atmosphere there, so they're not going to want to play them in their backyard. But then again, if they beat them in the backyard, it's all the sweeter. Yeah. Realistically, yeah. it wouldn't make, it won't make a difference where they play it, will it? It shouldn't, but that's probably not the point either, you know. Um, I think that if it's if it's neutral venue for at this stage of the championship, then it should be neutral venue. I think they're just trying to cater for literally for fans like myself who might book a weekend and go down there to the games to maybe to the detriment of, of fairness. I suppose we'll move on to Galway now. Cyril Farrell, John Riley on the back page of the Irish Independent says the only team that can beat Galway this year, stop them from winning the All Ireland, is Galway themselves. Would you go along with that after yesterday's win over Wexford? Look, going on yesterday, looking at them yesterday, looking at what they've done the last three games, uh, you know, if they bring to the table what they've brought to the table the last three games, they're going to be very difficult to beat. I think they're deserving all Ireland favourites at the present moment of time. It'll be interesting to see how they'll get on with the five-week break. Mm. Uh, but I think the five-week break will actually show them they'll get an opportunity to bring back Cottle Mannion. But um, for me, they looked a real deal. They have a great goalkeeper, a real solid foundation in the full-back line with, with Adrian Dewey and Dottie Burke. And then they have a real uh, strong half-back line. And then up front... Uh, you know, they've, they've the firepower up front. And what they have also, they've a, they've a very astute manager. But I'd like to throw it out there. I mean, I'm, I'm fed up of hearing this crack, you know, of, you know, hearing why don't teams go 15 on 15. I mean, what is 15 on 15? That's what I want to know. Like, you know, you, you always hear the water and the likes of Dave Fitzgerald being given out to them for playing a sweeper. But, I mean, I looked at Galway yesterday in the stages of that second half and they had anything between eight to nine uh, people back in their defence. I mean, Joe Cannon at one stage was back in his, in his own half-back mm. line. Um, so, like, 
for me, you know, I think it, it kind of gets pushed under the carpet when when a team wins. I mean, Galway at one stage yesterday when he had two men up and up and our full forward line that was was Connor Whelan and and Connor Cooney and, and the 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 best part of nine to ten man men back in their own half. So I mean, I'd like to put it out there: what is what is fifteen on fifteen? That's the question I'd like to ask that to the general public out there. Don't get do you qualify as a general public? What are you, what are you like? <laughs> yeah, no, I take the point, but like, uh, I think people get a little bit carried away with this sort of stuff. Like, there was never a time when your wing forwards weren't expected in either code, weren't expected to be back doing a covering ground, working back. That, like, that didn't exist. So, if you're a wing forward, you're going to have to do a lot of defending and attacking as well. That's just a gig, same as with your midfielder. So, you know, I, I take John's point, yeah, probably, and Waterford, I suppose, are getting a lot of stick over the way they've played or tried to play for the last couple of years. But, um, like, I think what Galway are doing suits them. That's all you can do. Ask any team to do. What Galway are doing suits them. They have particular type of players in particular positions, and they use them as best they can. And that's what Michal Dunne is doing. He's using them as best they can. When uh, John touching it there, uh, Joe Canning, I would say, um, went for the last fifteen minutes, maybe just hung around centre back, picked up a couple of balls, just co- a couple of important interceptions, just to make sure things kept ticking over. Um, and he actually wasn't on the freeze at the end. Because um, he was the other end of the pitch, and I presume that's why he let he, he handed over the duties. But yeah, Galway just seemed to be going really well, really physical as well. Huge team, yeah. like when you stand beside him, you realise how big they all are. Like they're massive and and well yeah, filled. Yeah, talked out as about well. a lot, but I don't think it's overblown. They actually they're fifteen monsters. Maybe not the goalkeeper, but everybody okay. else pretty much is like six feet tall and can. They clean works for out in the air. Like the, every single high ball was claimed by a Galway man in that second half in particular. Yeah, I was just going to say that we were talking about the physicality. What was the name of the, the lad you have on board you were saying? Who was saying before? Polish, yeah. The Polish yeah. SNC. Lucas is his first name. Lucas is his first yeah. name. His second name is hard to pronounce. We won't insult him we by trying to pronounce him. just call him Lucas and we leave it there. But <laughs> like, in the space of you, even just pick out Joe Canning, like, he's a specimen of a man. Like He always obviously was a big lad, but he was carrying a bit of puppy fat all the way through and his skill was carrying him. But now he's as lean as I've ever seen him. And with that physicality and the way he played, like uh, like I was saying earlier, you can't say they're certs to win the Lee McCarthy because they haven't won in terms years and like you were saying Anna it's you know it's it's the guy who supporters are actually low key it's the, it's me that's mm. building them up they're too afraid to dream Absolutely. <clears throat> a bit like the Mayo mm. fans are too afraid to believe if it happens oh my god it's going to be incredible so like yeah, there's no doubt about it if they keep playing the way they are but I do think there's a kick whoever wins in Waterford and Kilkenny there's a serious kick in them I believe and tip as well so it's going to be interesting when we get down to the business end yeah David it's interesting that the weekend was in at Galway and Mayo both in action they both got rid of managers and similar heats at the same time Michal Dunne who's getting a lot of plaudits to what he's done you know Stephen Rochford I don't know maybe struggling a little bit but it's, just, it's kind of interesting that they both did it at the same time and Galway seemed to have come out maybe the better for it without a doubt you look at the, the, the Galway team and I suppose the way that they've taken on leadership, um, it's it's phenomenal. It's not, and there is a, a sense of pressure on on teams that do have, I suppose, a heave on their manager. And again, um, they they seem to be happy with with their manager, but they're doing the they're doing the talking on the pitch. Now, the one thing I I do think that Wexford were overhyped. I don't think Wex, Wexford gave any sort of of of, um, I suppose, a fight yesterday. Like to a degree, a lot of their big big players didn't turn up. They made Galway look. Man says, like all Ireland champions that they're saying this morning, but I don't think that's going to be the, the reality of the fact. And any team, as Ronnie says, whether it's 38 years or, or 65 years and, and Mio's, you know, you go to yourself, get into an Ireland final, and, and, and when it is, is there's a long road to go over on the 1st of Jan- or July, but um, there is pressure on Galway, and that's going to. Um, that's going to seep in. I think the more games, the better for them. I don't know necessarily with the five-week break um, give them any sort of momentum going into their next challenge, but I, I, I do think there's, a, there's, there's more pressure on them now than, than anyone. Every, no, everyone else is just playing for, for second fiddle, and it's the Kilkenny's, the Tipperary's, the Waterford's, this world. They're loving it. Just touching on... Uh, sorry, Will. Just touching on... Uh, Wexford there, the one, the only, I was down at the media night beforehand down at Ferns in the Centre of Excellence and uh, the only note of caution that Davey sounded, everything else was perfect, the only thing he said was, he says we've gone to the well a lot already this year, they trained mm-hmm. 20 plus times in January alone, they flew out of the blocks in the league and he just said I'm not sure what's there, I'm not sure yeah. how much we've taken out of them already and I think when they missed the penalty yesterday, I think a little bit of the belief went out of them yeah. and all of a sudden the legs got really heavy really quickly. So um, I, I don't think we saw that Kilkenny game was so big for them. I don't think we saw 
that Wexford again yesterday. Yeah. They never got to that level. They have to hurl with a fury nearly to, to get to the level to do and they didn't have the energy it yeah. seemed to get to that. But yeah. I think in their defence though, I mean like it was only their second competitive defeat. I mean if you think about it, was it nine games they've played and going into that game they'd won eight. So I mean there was a reason to be talking about that they had a realistic chance but if you did, a lot of the Wexford supporters weren't going in with any expectation. They were just delighted to be there and like I think that's a really important point. The first 25-30 minutes Wexford competed. I think it was just they kind of took their foot off the pedal going into half time. And I think they lost a little bit of concentration. Galway picked up some really crucial scores going in. And I think, like Donica said, I think their confidence was really low going in half time because they felt they should have been at least level for the amount of work they'd put in that opening half. Yeah, John, where do Wexford go from here? Do you think, as a few, a few of the panel have said, that maybe they peaked at the Kilkenny game? Do you still think they can a spring a surprise in the quarter final? How, how do you feel they went yesterday? Oh jeez, you want to be you want to be you want to be mad to Roy Wexford, a uh, Davy uh, Fitzgerald team off uh, at any stage. I've been there before. I've lost provisional finals with Davy, and you know I've seen it. Then two weeks later, three weeks later, he can come out then, and we can overturn any team. Uh, we done it in 2009 against Galway, in 2011 against Galway as well. I mean, we lost by seven goals, and he came out the, the previous two weeks, and we, we beat Galway by, by ten points. I think the the break will actually seal them. I think. You know, they have a three-week break. But um, I think, you know, once they, once they, this week goes and they get this week out of their system, I think they'll, they'll get back on the horse again. They'll go back training next Tuesday. They'll train hard next week and they'll be ready. They'll be ready for war, ready to go to war then and, and for whichever team they play, whether it be Water, Tip, Tipperary or, or, or uh, Dublin. Very tough proposition for them in the quarterfinals though with those teams John just mentioned yeah but at the same time I don't think they're going to fear anybody I mean they were going in with so much confidence and okay yesterday didn't go according to plan but much like David alluded to a while ago I think you know Leach in Guyney you know McDonald. they didn't they weren't really at their, their peak yesterday you know and I suppose that was as much to do with Galway as it was to do with their own you know ability and whether or not they were off form so we have to give a lot of credit to Galway I mean for me it was the consistency in Galway's performance that was really different and if you think about the crucial stages so going in at half time they really upped the ante when McDonald missed the penalty straight away they scored the next six out to one of Wexford's points after that and when Dermot O'Keefe got the goal straight away in the next five minutes they scored five unanswered points that to me suggests Galway's focus was unwavering it's something you wouldn't see consistently from Galway and I think that is ultimately the reason why they were better than Wexford in the end I think Guiney peaked after about 12 minutes when a teammate won a free and he did like yeah. three like <laughs> fist pumps in a row and was like about five feet off the ground each time after that I think it was hard for him to live up to it energy wise so that's the that's the trend you set, by the way, John. Them old fist pumps. You you were the main man behind them, and now every young lad. Yeah. I, I was at an under twelve blitz a few months ago, and a young lad scored a, a, a free from ten yards out, and he started fist pumping the rest of his team. I said, "Jay's been lying. You've had some impact in the GL." <laughs> Is that a nice legacy to have? No, but going going back to um, going back to David, I think the one you know he was up in the stand for the first uh, twenty minutes. Mm. And I think the one biggest regret he will have looking back over the course of the game is that, you know, uh, Conor Coney was after registering his third score. And I think it was then he should have acted fast. I think he should have put James Breen over on Conor Coney. He should have realised that Conor Coney's dander was up, albeit Conor Whelan was being held scoreless. But I thought when, when Conor Coney got his third score, I thought, you know, he should have he should have pushed uh, James Breen over him. James Breen... A very tight, tenacious mark, and I thought, you know, if, if Davy, you know, had his time again, I mean, it's easy to reflect that in the aftermath. But I think, you know, he would have pushed uh, James Green over and Connor Coney to try and nullify his effect. One quick thing, you know, the way Mac Fanning was taking the penalties, you know, throughout the league. John, like, why do you think it was Conor McDonald that stepped up? Because it looked like the Mac Fanning was actually coming up to take the penalty, and then he stopped. I mean, you know, why would you break something that was? You no, know, he was doing relatively okay in them. Yeah, and I suppose look, I suppose I was coming out of Crow Park yesterday, and the one lad I was talking to Tom Dempsey, and he, he couldn't understand how Marek Fanning uh, didn't come up to, to, yeah. to hit the penalty. And I think you know Conor McDonald was actually looking down towards uh, mm. Marek to come up and hit it, and Marek was actually making his way up. And I just think the instruction came from the line that you know Conor was going to hit it himself, and I think it probably unsettled Conor McDonald himself. Uh, you know, but the fact he probably had it in his head that Marek Fanning was going to hit it before yeah, that, then he was after. Before that, then he was after missing a free, but yeah. you know, psychologically, you had a had a had a big big say in the game. Like you said, John about Davy, not like the, there's only one place for David Fitzgerald, and it's on the sideline because what he gives, you know, a lot of players say, "Oh, I don't really listen to managers," but 
you can't help but listen to Davy if you're if you're on the opposing team or if you're if you're playing for him. I think Tommy Walsh said it yesterday. He says all his career he played left half back. He said he was no more than five yards away from Brian Cody, and it does for certain players. It does give them that bit extra focus or their attention span won't they won't it won't lapse if you have Brian Cody or Davy Fitzgerald six yards away from you. If you're a midfielder or a full forward, you're not going to have that, but I definitely think Davy should have should have been on the sideline and not fall into the, the habit trap and say, oh, I was in the box the last day and it, it doesn't, it's not a place for a... Just on that, Davy, I'd say, probably the way I look at it, he's such a passionate man, Davy Fitz, that um, he, he analyses the game a lot better when he's up there, he can see what's going. When he gets down, and John, you know yourself from being under him, he gets so engrossed by the game himself, he doesn't see the obvious that's happening in the field, he's so passionate. You look at the Sean Boylans or the Mickey Hearts, they sit there, they analyse the game, they don't mm. get passionate about it, you don't hear them roaring at referees, like the first thing you know is abuse the linesman when they come down. And to me, that takes his whole mindset away from from what he should be doing, which is seeing who's who's going well, where, what can I do here? So, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah and, and I suppose 90% of the changes that he's going to make is pre-planned. You go through analysis, but... Um, you can sometimes lose focus, but Davy and John are probably no greater than anyone. Davy, Davy knows no other way but to actually play the game and probably follow the ball as as he, he probably does more moving and jumping and lepping than yeah, than, well, uh, John, than a lot of them. When you were playing under John, did you did you like that um, the, the madness on the sideline? Or how did you react to that as the Waterford team, or what way did you handle it? Oh well, I, I most certainly loved it. Oh jeez, I mean, when I used to see him going bananas on the sideline. I mean, jeez. <laughs> It used to raise my game, you know, and I go up to go up to another level. I mean, but other lads are different. But going just going back to what David said there, when he actually did come down yesterday to the line, Wexford were two points up, David. And mm. and believe it or not, if you're looking at the whole, if you're looking at the whole picture of the game, where Wexford were winning winning the game at that stage was the interchanging of of out around the middle third of the field. You've Conor McDonald interchanging with Lee Chin. Um, and, and the two midfielders, the interchanging and uh, amongst the, the, the five lads there was, was was unbelievable. And I think you know you go back to the Kilkenny Wexford game when he was on the box. Have no doubt about it. The winner of that game was was the moment of uh, Lee Chin on the Paddy Deegan um, and taking Lee Chin off of uh, Killian Buckley. Would you have seen that down in the line? I I I, I beg to differ. But you know I think you know Dave Sirley he's very shrewd man to to to, to analyse a game. And I think I won't rule out uh, seeing him up there more often going, going forward for the future. Yeah, Donald, could that be a trend we might see? Managers maybe spending more time in the stand. I know we talked about it last time David was in that Stephen Rochford does it in the first half. The, the G is notoriously slow to break with tradition. Do you know what I mean? So Davey was in the box only because he had to be originally. Mm. You know, um, And I know he went up for the first 20 minutes the last day. Like, to do it in rugby, um, it's par for course in the AFL, I think. Um, but whether it'll become a thing or not, like some some grounds don't even have the facilities for it, so it's hard to know. Like you know, unless you're going to yeah, sit up with Rogers the media in the stand uh, in Castlebar, yeah, he goes to the stand. Beside, yeah, you're sitting beside supporters. Like I, I do think that the GS should facilitate. If I was a man, I would n- go nowhere next night or near the pitch because you're, you're. I don't think man says you're any good to them. Bar if you have your Davies or I suppose Cody is another big motivator on the sideline. There's probably a time and a place, but the vast majority of sports is you're kind of sitting in a room like this, looking onto the game with your team, your stat, uh, your stats guys, and everything else, and saying, you know what, I see a trend here now. You don't when you're when you're on the sideline, you're following the ball, you're just following the play. You don't get an overview. I do think if if the GA had some sort of a facility like like they do for the for the rugby games mm-hmm. um, and for rugby grounds, just you know a box either side and probably a, I suppose a, a safe passageway down to the restroom because that's probably that's part of it you're going to write you need to leave about four minutes before the end of half time if you want to get down to uh, the Hogan the Hogan stand dressing room because there is no facility to um, Jason Ryan sorry David yeah. Jason Ryan used to always do it with Kildare always he was the one fellow seed and he was on he was obviously mic'd up to the sideline and um, he'd be you'd be hearing stuff like what he was planning on doing to switch mm. it. It was great actually when yeah. you're a reporter beside him. Oh, he's moving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, he's right right in front of the press box in Newbridge. Um, and he was like, Oh, geez, yeah, he made that switch there and you just make life easy for you. But um, yeah. Only yeah, our managers are so forthcoming. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's nice to see a manager down the side. It, it keeps the engagement between the players' manager. But like, like I think Davy should nearly have gone back up again in the second half. You know, come down maybe for the, the like when, you know, for the last five, ten minutes before half time, but gone back up again because I do think it was a major factor when they were playing 
Kilkenny that he was able to see everything and you're removed then from all the emotion and you're able to think a lot more clearly you know you're able to see everything and you probably don't have people in your rear row and shouting and actually getting distracted you can actually see the game as a whole This is a time factor in Croke Park it would take to get up and down from the box if he wanted to keep going up and Ireland's down Ireland's family he should be well out to do Let's get the pet heads out as well I, some managers shouldn't be allowed to wear a tracksuit and t-shirt either. <laughs> I, I, I go to myself. You know, you see in all other sports, like it's the only sport in the world, really, bar some to some soccer managers, where every manager has to wear a tracksuit and a t-shirt. Um, John Mahon wore shorts. He did. Well, they were hot pants more than shorts. <laughs> so in all fairness, you but could, like, the suit and tie. Like, well, you know what? You have your because you, you're, you're you're in a different you're in a different mindset if you're in a shirt or you're in a blazer and you're in your your pair of slacks. Because, <laughs> Imagine the head of Brian Cody in a suit standing there. Or or even Davy Fitz. The Mickey Hearts and Brian Cody and and, and Davy Fitz, they don't suit a tracksuit. Definitely not. But they'd be ripping their trousers, jumping up and down. Remember when Decanio wore the suit and all the grass stains on his knees? Davy Fitz would be ripping them. Davy would have three suits gone through to be splitting the pants and be jumping up so high. Yeah. Hey David, we'll have to get a couple of them handkerchiefs they wear on the Sunday game as well. The three piece suit. <laughs> Alright, thanks so much for joining us, John. We really appreciate it. No matter. On the ball. Thanks, John. That's it for hurling this week. Now it's time to move on to football. Starting off with Mayo Derry. David, how much greater do you think your life expectancy would, would be if you weren't subjected to all these hard problems watching Mayo football? You know what? We're, we're, we're the county that keeps on giving. I, I was... I, I ended up in... I was in ribbons after the game. Um, I had left. Um, I had, They were gone. You know, in my mind, with three or four minutes left before Mayo got the goal... Um, you had actually left the ground? Well, actually, when we got the goal, we were three points up with the, the, the seconds to play. I was gone. The next thing, I was on the phone. And see, I didn't, you don't hear a roar when Durry scored because there was only about 50 Durry people at the game. <laughs> so uh, running towards the car to get to a cousin's wedding and one of the guys on the phone says, extra time now. I'm going, what? So back... They let you back in? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, um, you know, it, it was... It had a bit of everything, but I, I don't think we can we can gloss over the fact how extremely poor Mayo were, um, how naive they were, and I'll be honest, I thought um, from a from a forward attacking perspective, um, I know what I know what them guys are capable of. Um, they, they seem to have no plan, no shape, and they 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 had what 17, 18 whites, and some of them weren't even whites. Some of them were actually were, were were disgraceful. And you go to yourself, is it just is it just that they can't shoot? They can. But the, the the situations and the circumstances that they're getting themselves into. Now I'll be I'll be I'll be um, I'll be straight up and honest. I don't know what kind of attack and plan Mayo have. And with all the the talk in the world and all the tactics that that the that people talk and again you're looking at Stephen Rashford um and Tony McIntyre, you're going, I don't see any I don't see any attack and plan. And um, it was, as we were just talking there off air, and Anna's 100% correct, Dury got a dose of the Collywobbles when they knew they could win it. Like, they brought on the Mark Lynch's, the Emmett McGuckins. These are the players that you'd want getting the ball. And they had three or four opportunities to, to go four, five points ahead. Mayo were absolutely gone, dusted. They had the white flag thrown in. Um, but you know what? We're, 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 and I will say, and I said to myself, what in the name of Jesus are they at? The Mayo crowd started chanting. With two, when we were two points down, and like it was, this is something like you're, when you get to it, you know, it's level pegging. But they started chanting Mayo, Mayo, and I'm telling you now, if 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 ever a, a crowd reignited a team, they did, and so did the, the introduction of, of Conor Loftus. Um, again, I would say um, a man asked me last week, was I related to Conor Loftus? Because I was mentioning him in any article, <laughs> any interview I did for the last six or seven weeks. Now, it's totally wrong that he wasn't introduced in, against Galway. Now, it's no good for Stephen Rochford to come on and say he's been playing very well in training and I was unlucky not to start. Like, the, nothing has happened between the Galway game and the game that, that was played on, on Saturday. And if Mayo and the Mayo management don't start introducing and don't have a bit of balls and courage and saying, you know what, let's give guys opportunities. Not for five minutes or ten minutes. Like, Conor Loft has played minimum in the league, but he's another 21 All-Ireland winner. He's a fantastic minor player that's come up through the wings. Um, he needs to be the future, and uh, there's there's too much. I think there, there's 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 no there's no competition in the Mayo forward line. There's you're never saying, oh, why isn't this guy playing? Or they need to introduce the likes of this, uh, the Connor Loftuses. There is Evan Regan there. I, you probably won't see Evan Regan play with Mayo uh, or coming on as a substitute again, because what what I see is that um, certain players are given a chance, and if they don't take that chance in ten minutes, 
they're gone. They're, they're, they're forgotten about. The likes of Shane Nelly as well, um, who played an absolutely fantastic game down in Tyrone. Second last league game. It was as tough as league game as you played. We haven't seen sight nor light of him again. I will play him right half back or even in right half forward position. Dunica, they only have a week to, to fix any of these four problems they have. They're going down to Ennis to face Clare, who are four to one outsiders, but are playing really, really well. Uh, you know what? What do you think this game means in the greater scheme of things? Are Mayo really under pressure now? Do, could they be knocked out this Saturday? Um, they can be, of course, yeah. But if Mayo have done anything over the last while, that certainly at this stage of the year to deserve the benefit of the doubt. Um, now Clare are a very good team. But I think pound for pound, you could argue that Colm Collins is doing as good a job as anyone in the country in yeah. with what he has available to him. They've, they've turned them into a really competitive, sticky, hard to beat team. Um, but uh, going back to what you were saying, Conor Loftus in particular, like I was at the All Ireland on twenty one final last year. Himself and Liam Aaron scored four goals between them. Mm. They were if if you had to pick players that Mayo needed, that was it. Two scoring forwards, eye for goal. Um, that's kind of what you'd say Mayo have been missing classically, not just this team, just down through the years, like just yeah. inside forwards who up and coming, up and coming, up and coming yeah. players who you know will give it a go. And he's absolutely the fella that I would have been going right. You're our man. You're going to play for us. We're trusting you to do this and just let him go and see what he can do. Because with respect to the fellas who are there, they've had loads of chances. And I would say that they, that it could be time to, you know, it, it, let's see what else is there. We know exactly what the rest of them give you and it's really, really good. But let's see what else is there. Um, I, I, yeah, they're going to have to take a few chances. They're going to have to take a few chances. On, yeah. the, back, on the back of that, like, you go, Rory, with the, with the Dublin team and it hasn't been... See, the Dublin forwards have been firing. Like they have, they have top class forwards. So then you're saying, oh, young Q, you know, we haven't seen him, young Costello. Like when you have that quality ahead of you, it's hard to make the break. But they've made it, these young guys. And they've been given the opportunities and the responsibilities. Like when you see young Costello come out in Ireland in the final, you're going, that's, that shows trust and it shows confidence in the manager that has in the players. And I don't, I don't think it's, it's vice yeah, versa. Well, in any game of football ever, like I always look at it, one to nine is to get the, jaw, or the ball to the forwards and forwards win games. That's always the way football has always been and always will be. And what stood out to me over the weekend and last game is the difference between the Dublin forwards, the Kerry forwards and the old forwards. Just a huge difference there. The way the movement, yes, they carry. Every man knew where everyone was, off the shoulder. I talked about the hands, like the hands, the hand in the forward line with Kerry in Dublin was unbelievable. And you look at Mayo like this cracking. As you said, Parsons coming up, he shouldn't be shooting. Like I know he can mm. kick that point, but he shouldn't be like you know what I mean. Chris Barrett, another guy. You know, and, uh, just, uh, it's, and that's where, as you said, give these young lads a chance. Like let them shine. Like Andy Moran is a legend in Mayo, and we know we're getting him. And I wouldn't put him. I'm just saying, but. Donny or Darren McConnor hasn't really come in alive that everyone thought he would. So give these youngers a chance. They've nothing to lose. Like you know, you're yeah. not, you're, you've you've been to the well so many times with this group of players. You need one or two lads to win it in All Ireland. James O'Donoghue was the man for carrying. Have to bring someone new. Came yeah. along, they took a chance. No new James O'Donoghue threw him in. Won All Ireland for Kerry. That's where this young Loftus could be, as you say. The, well, the, the one he's, man, he's, you, know? you know what? If he's not the one man, he has to be given an opportunity. Has a chance. to be. Yeah. And you, you say to a young fella, you know what, Connor. I don't give a damn how bad you play today or how many wides you kick. You're not, you're not in my spectrum to be taken off. And I, I can guarantee you that I'll actually leave you on and give you an even better chance. What you're doing to a young fella is giving him a bit of confidence and saying, you know what, I haven't the shepherds hook over my head waiting to be mm. dragged off Take after care, 20 yeah. minutes or if I make a drop ball or if I kick a bad white. You're going, you know what, you're staying on for at least 50, 55 minutes, no matter what happens. Well, even is he well thought of Mayo, David? Is he well thought of in the club scene? He's crossing the line, isn't he? He is, yeah, cross. But you're going to Manchester. If you went to a club game in Mayo, you wouldn't think a lot of any of them. That's the truth. Because a lot of the players that's playing for Mayo do not and will not shine for their clubs because they're, they're playing to a certain style in the system that it suits Mayo and they're part of a... a but they don't stand out. The, the, the best players in the, in the county bar, you know, you have your, your Kenny and O'Connors. These guys don't shine. But Conor Loftus has done it Minor, under 21, mm. and you're going, but he's a naturally gifted forward. Now, a man says, there's, there's the, the, the problem is with Mayo, and it's, it's happened with a lot. You have half-backs playing half-forwards. You have Stephen Cohn that starts right half-forward. You have Kevin McLaughlin that was a sweeper, mm. is not a sweeper, now he's corner-forward, now he's, he's, he's half-forward. He's, he's half there's, there's, a, there's a sense, and in my mind, I've probably seen it with Keith Higgins as well, um, who was corner-forward corner last year, then he went back sweeping after we lost, then this year he was um, cornerback, now he's a sweeper. 
he gets sent off. Paddy Durkin gets sent off. He was cornerback all during the National League. Now he's so half points. points to Stephen Rochford just doing too much chopping You know and what? I think there's a lot of frustration there. There's a lot of chopping and changing. And there's going to be more chopping and changing. And you have... The, 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 yeah, yeah. The one saving grace which you have, if you have the likes of um, Keith Higgins out, you have an all-star, Colin Boyle, coming back in. You have Brendan Harrison, who's coming in. You have two, you have two all-stars coming into the team last, last Saturday, but you're having that in the forward line. And, and the James O'Connors in this world, um, I, I, I no longer call him a forward because he's playing too much time deep. He actually played a lot better coming on because the game had opened up. He hadn't to do as much defensive work as he has in a lot of games where he starts. The, the, these guys are forwards. They're not, they're not multi, multi-talented multi backs. And I'm one guy who had a great game, and we haven't actually talked about him for once with Aiden O'Shea. Yeah. You know, the big games for Aiden O'Shea seems to only be the ones that he loses. But yesterday, Mayo were on the verge of being knocked out of the championship, and he really stood up. Yeah, he did. I Actually, funnily enough, one of the things that I noticed about Aiden O'Shea is Mayo kind of struggled in throw-ins prior to him coming back. And he went up for three, and he won three, which is, you know, credit to him. But they stepped off him. They actually left him go up and win the ball. Now, I know he's come under a lot of criticism, and I suppose for him, you'd be delighted to see him come back and play so well. But, like, I mean, you asked the question earlier on to me, what can Mayo do in the next few days to turn it around? For me, I just couldn't believe their wayward shooting. Like, I agree with Dave to the point that you do have to tell younger players in particular, have a shot. But, I mean, they actually missed more than they scored. Like, I mean, that to me is 17 wides in regular time. And, like, a lot of them should have been scored, to be fair. I just think if you're looking for places where they can improve, particularly against the likes of Clare, which their system works for them, and they all do feel they seem to be comfortable. They all, you know, they, they seem to know what they're doing compared to Mayo. But Mayo's defence against Galway was one of the big, massive question marks. And it was like they learned nothing against Derry, only Derry didn't have the confidence. Like, that's what Dave was alluding to. I felt that it was like a, not so much a fear of failure, it was a fear of success. When they got themselves in a the position to beat Mayo, they actually it was like they hadn't thought about it and they didn't know what to do. They'd opened up the Mayo defence on a few occasions and they actually just didn't capitalise. But it wouldn't be the first time that a team has maybe gone to extra time in the qualifiers or really been put to the pin of their collar and it served as this kind of a galvanising force rather than maybe a harbinger of doom like Cork in 2010 and Kerry in 09 I think both went extra time in the qualifiers. Yeah. So there's still a kind of a path forward albeit it looks pretty fraught with danger at the moment. Well, yeah, but I suppose you only have to go back to last year. Like Fermanagh were given Mayo a fair examination down in Castlebar and I'm not sure you felt like they were going to beat them but they were really they were, had they were, had them wobbled I think anyway mm. and then Aidan O'Shea won that penalty mm. the infamous penalty and that uh, that that sort of set them off on their way and then they went all the way and they absolutely should have beat Dublin the first in the draw in the final last year so like I say if anyone deserves the benefit of the doubt it's these boys yeah there's loads of question marks over them um, going into it but you would have to say that um, going to Ennis you, you'd think I, I'd certainly pick them. I think that until they until they start losing Claire games. Claire looked tasty at 4-1. Sorry? Claire looked tasty at 4-1 for me anyway. Well, until, until Mayo start losing mm. games like this, mm. I think you have to say that they're going to keep winning them. And in fairness, they don't lose. They lose to Dublin, maybe. They lose to Kerry. They generally don't lose to teams that are graded inferior. And that's what, well, you'd have to say Claire are a bit behind them at the minute. So I, I, I'd, I'd stick with Mayo. I'd a lot of faith in, in in their ability to fly at the highest level. The only question marks over them is the weather they can get over the line. The, so. the, the whole thing is, and with any team in the qualifiers now, and it's as you said, going to extra time, the, the, the curries of this were in the Cork's previous days, it builds character. Mm. Like, no, does that, this team, the Mayo team need any more character? Um, what they've done and what they've shown, you know what, it, it, they're full of character. But it's usually been heroic in defeat, at least on the weekend well, they came through in a tight match. It's, 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 it's yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's, the, the, the players dug it out. The players with Aidan O'Shea, like the last time Aidan O'Shea started a game, played a full 70-minute game for Mayo was the 1st of October. Like, geez, that's a long, that seems like a long time mm. ago. But what he put in there full, in the full 70 minutes and extra time was absolutely outstanding. Mm. And again, I do, he, when, actually, he, the only time he kind of faded out of the game was when he went to kind of centre forward. Um, he didn't, he was in full forward for about, I'd say, four occasions during the game. But predominantly, that's his position now. He, he midfield, um, actually his brother Seamus came on and did well when he came on. He kind of injected a bit of pace, Tom Parsons did well, but Aiden, without a doubt, needs to be number eight or nine for the vast majority of the season because if he starts pulling out from pillar to post and it's not going well and he's put in, in full forward, his game, his game will suffer. Um, he's in the thick of the action. If he can stay injury-free, gets another game, two, two full games in two weeks, it'll, it'll do him the world to go. But I have I to say, outstanding it's performance. It's always been his best position. I remember watching Aiden play with DIT when he won the singles and he was midfield with uh, Gibney from Cavan and he was a colossal he destroyed that and he was marking in the county players mm. so I don't 
I know the reason I put him in there, but as you said, look, look against Donegal that day, he dismantled Neil and Gallagher and all these lads who were serious ballers, so leave him there. Um, a bit like Graham Riley with Mead, I still don't give that man too much praise because in all Ireland finally he hasn't stood up for me own, that's the bottom mm-hmm. line. Like, mm-hmm. And they're expected to win Derry, yes, Aidan and whoever game fair play to, but we expected to against Derry. I'd still hold my praise. I'd love nothing more than to see Aidan O'Shea be man the match in all Ireland final. Like I would with Joe Canning in the hurl yeah, and yeah. I'd love to see. I really would, but until then, you can't have too much praise. I think he knows that himself. Like he likes to keep quiet and and let's let me grab my football. Forget about this selfie crap that went on. Like because when he plays, he's unbelievable. Oh, yeah, good, yeah. But he needs to deliver again when it really, really matters. Like you know, I personally probably would say he's he could be or would be a better full forward but it's no good putting a man in full forward when you don't have any ball kickers well, there's there's yeah. no there's no Mayo player like look at their but out and out foot passer deliver of the ball 20, 30, 40 yards um, left foot or right foot we don't have it and it's all between the two 40s it's hand pass hand pass hand pass hand pass so you're actually you're, you haven't got the, the, the material to deliver the ball into it Kevin Blossom's a very good kicker of the ball isn't he it, it, excellent kicker left foot but yeah. again now that he's playing more of a a, a corner forward role and, mm. and like he's gone totally totally and completely and utterly the opposite from what he was doing against Kildare last year the Fermanagh that's when that's when they introduced a new system of Kevin McLaughlin being the number one sweeper. He was down. He he lived in the fullback for six months. That's what happens when you put a manager in the stand. Too much time to think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot. The man says there's there's a little bit more thinking needs to be going on as well. Okay, well, we'll park my for the moment and move on to the other big football match of the weekend. Anna, your county Cork, unfortunately, were heavily beaten in the Munster yes. final. We'll focus on Kerry for now, though, because I liked when Tomas O'Shea was uh, talking about how much Ganey and O'Donoghue have scored together. He couldn't help, like, a smile was, yeah. like, creeping <laughs> up on his lips as he talked about how much they've scored from play. O'Donoghue looked back to his 2014 best, and yes. they, they absolutely shredded the Cork fullback line. Yeah, I mean, it was a 785, I think, was Tomas O'Shea was saying. And, like, like I mean, that's a phenomenal 11 championship games between the two boys. 112, what they scored yesterday. And, like, I just think it was really a testament of Kerry the way they sit up as well. Like, I mean, that's five months of championship titles in a row now for them. It was the 70s the last time they did that. But Cork just, they didn't take it to them. And, like, even at that, like we were talking about it earlier on this morning, they didn't even try and reduce it to a dogfight. You know, it was like they just left Kerry do it, which is really disappointing because, you know, Cork and Kerry traditionally, there's always been that bite in the games. You know, you go back to even 2015, the replay, and, you know, just bringing that kind of that rebel spirit near which you didn't see. And it was really disappointing from, from a Cork point of view because you're kind of starting to wonder, well, where is it meant to come from? You know, Listen, uh, an old O'Leary and a Polyxander, they're missing that yeah. bit of dog and his dirt that they wouldn't lie down to any kind Absolutely. of team. Absolutely. When we were talking earlier about, you know, David said that the only manager you might want on the line is Davy Fitz with a bit of enthusiasm. I'm like, what are you getting from Pat or Healy with that huge overcoat he was wearing in the middle of summer? Like, yeah. he doesn't exactly inspire you to go out no, and hit a carry. And Paul Kerrigan did say that afterwards. He was like, you just need to start asking yourselves, what is what is it you're doing and why are you doing it? I mean, it was really disappointing for me. Like, when you have to see the likes of Dunico O'Connor coming on and, like, you know, brilliant player, but th- at 36 years old, if you're drawing your inspiration from him, then what are the other guys in the field doing? I mean, got six points for from play in the second half. Mm. Where were the other guys standing up? You know, where, where is that and he was point? actually getting stuck in a bit, like you know, absolutely. He's people and and it, I just think as well, even like the the wides, even that cork put, you know, it was just it was it was messy stuff. And then you look at Kerry, it was like the in the 40th minute of the game they put their first wide, you know, after 17 shots. Such it's efficient just, shooting. It is, it just, and I think you know when you set up accordingly and you go in with the right focus, Cork had nothing to lose, but they didn't play like a team that had nothing to lose. Yeah, and I don't know why these crop fear to Kerry jerseys so much. These grew up winning all uh, mm-hmm. under-21s against Kerry, all of them. So it seems to me that they just threw in the towel. They didn't want to know. No one was winning to know, I'm going to just hit someone here and get a yellow card and see if it'll galvanise anyone around me. I'm just going to do something, but no one done that. Yeah. But on the flip side, it was just so good to watch Kerry play football yesterday. Like they, I, I love the way, no matter what Jim McGuinness they're all bringing into this world about tactics and all, you yeah, can't yeah. beat football. Football will always win and, and Kerry proved that their kick passing, it was just like James O'Donoghue, his movement, yeah. and it's just, ah, he's... He's a different standards, but again, Cork were poor, but it, it, it's just great because if Mayo play Kerry, it's a game of football. If Dublin play Mayo, it's a game of football, and that's 
the ultimate winner. Tyrone might have a say there and stop yeah. team, teams playing, but still, I think football will always win. Like, and Dublin and Kerry are proving that at the minute. They're the best know, so. inside forward line in the country, Kerry. Oh, sick. Like, it delightful. Really is, like. Delightful. Yeah. Yeah. Delightful. It's like a good dessert. It's I don't care. Isn't yeah. 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 I don't care. I don't care what. And there's a bit of thousands, thousands, hundreds and thousands sprinkled on top of it as well. But just to sit back and watch that, you're going. And you cannot, no matter, I don't give a damn what anyone says, you cannot teach the ball handling skills no. and the awareness that them guys have. Kick passes. It is just beautiful. You're yeah. going bing, bang, and you know, you're going, that, did that just happen? Yeah. And it was so quick and so fast. Um, again, it was only 11 7 at half time. Mm. And you go to yourself, Jesus, if these Cork boys come out with any. Sort and of. they brought off the save as well. Didn't yeah. they too, so I think Kerry kicked the first five of the second half. That was it. Good luck, goodbye, and God bless. Yeah. It was gone after that. It was four it was, points yeah. to zit to near, no. nail it inside four minutes. And, uh, man says, is Pather Healy regarded? Sorry, no for asking that question, but. The jury would be out and say it'd be mixed, to be honest. And like, uh, you well, know. Well, the Cork fans I know, I would say no anyway. Yeah. <laughs> From the Cork people I know, and some not, well, not internally in the Cork, but. They don't. Well, I think the, the motivation, pain. yeah, it, it's missing. There is that, like that. The confidence is definitely yeah. lacking. I mean, if I were Cork like that, they haven't won for 22 years, get down to Fister. Just, you know, go for it and see what happens. I mean, that's the way they should have been playing was that conviction, that freedom. Like, you know, sure, look, everyone expects us to lose anyway. We may as well go down fighting. You didn't really see that, which is really disappointing because some of those players, you know, they've given so much to that Cork mm -hmm. jersey. You just would have loved to have seen that spark there. And you know you didn't you know you didn't see enough of it, and I think even for Cork will be very disappointed. Cork fans left, you know, halfway through the second half. You were seeing yeah. them coming out with their droves. They were just they're, very disappointed. Like a, they're still in the last twelve of the championship, though. So there is a way back, albeit it doesn't look likely now. Do you? Can yeah. they do anything around four? Do you think? You'd have to say that on everything they've shown in the championship so far, that if they're in a different province, they'd probably be gone. There's a good chance mm -hmm. to be gone anyway. Um, like you know, to, to beat Waterford, which they did just about. Mm. Just I was at that game. Um, feel sorry for you. <laughs> yeah. um, then, sure, yeah. then they came back from the dead to beat Tipperary. Mm. And in fairness, Tipperary, everyone talked about Michael Quinlevin, who is a brilliant player. But one of the big reasons that they lost that game was because Evan Comerford was missing. His he would have been my all-star goalkeeper last year. His kickouts are absolutely Phenomenal. outstanding. Yeah. Um, and he would have. They couldn't get out. Tip just couldn't get out in that game. Parky Rin. They could not get the ball out. Um, so. I I just think that that was a very weak and Tipperary team that the that the beat. And in fairness, the Tip. As good as they were last year, they always admitted that their panel was very shallow, and they missed those couple of, when they were missing a couple of big players. That means an awful lot to them. Um, it's it's hard to make a case for Cork. I feel sorry for the likes of um, um, Paul Kerrigan because yeah. he's he was trying, he's a, he's absolutely defiant. Mm -hmm. The young guy uh, Sean Powder is it? He's oh, only yeah, eight, yeah. eighteen or nineteen. Yeah. He absolutely, as you said, Annie. Mm -hmm. Got stuck into. I mean, got stuck into Donegal Walsh. Yeah. Made him over carry twice. Maguire as well. Maguire yeah. And he did well in midfield. Well. I will yeah. say. I mean, he's. You know, he. He's. He was his goal was denied, but he did really well at times midfield. I mean, for me, even midfield was a massive area. Like Eamon Fitzmaurice looked at midfield. You know, it's kind of the resurgence of the the big men at the centre of the park. Moran's a throwback. Well, you yeah, could Mara, put him in like the golden era team, and he would look at the similar style players. Yeah. Mm. But long kickouts again. We saw the short kickout, but with Derry, what like the detrimental what happens? You don't do it properly. Long kickouts, win your own ball, and once you have that position in the middle of the field, you're set up straight away. I mean, the options that were opened up then for Kerry the minute they were winning that ball I just don't think Aidan Walsh and Maguire like at, at times they got the better of them yeah. but overall it was you yeah. know yeah. the mark. Yeah. Nicholas Murphy there yeah. from no back but Aidan Walsh is meant to be there Nicholas you know. Murphy isn't he ah you know he's, yeah, he's a nice footballer but Murphy was a dog in there like, he used to, two time I mean? all-star Nicholas Murphy never won yeah. an all-star ah yeah but he's still I wouldn't say he's traditional midfielder like myself like and where <laughs> Nick, you yeah. know Nicholas Murphy is out and out and Darrow Shea would say that you, you know yourself yeah. he was a hard man to there, was all, there was always a battle and, and on that the mark is just the best thing the Jays a long time like the ball is going out to the middle of the field and failures are being rewarded mm -hmm. now and Whelan said it last night in the Sunday game to win all Ireland now going forward you're going to have to have fetchers out there now like and that's brilliant to hear because and it's a skill a itself time, aerial possession you know, I mean, you know yeah. it is an absolute skill and, 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 and then more and, and, and Maher Maher is a failure of, of a ball as well like you yeah. know so in order to have them you know it's interesting like I think the mark has been an addition alright but I do think there's been a sort of a natural move away from the short kick out as well I think that was coming teams are starting the more these trends go on, the better teams get at counteracting yeah. it. Yeah. So teams are much better at pushing up on short kickouts now. They're much better at taking responsibilities, passing on the responsibility as they might need to do. So then goalkeepers are left with nothing but to go 60 yards down the field. Yeah. So I, I think the, the mark is part of that, but I do think there's a natural move away from it anyway. 
There's been a really interesting evolution in kickouts, David, even from the time when you would have started out your career in Darrow and Ages, GA knew a program. They said it was 30 seconds was the average time for a kickout. Now, you know, with clucks and it can be about seven or eight. Like seven ten, seconds, yeah. 20 yeah. Sec- 25 seconds almost shaved off. And the reality is, and teams will say it, when, when the ball leaves the foot, the keeper doesn't worry about the post. Someone else looks after the post. The keeper is getting the ball, going out, and bang. And again, what the one thing with, with the mark, and what it's given us, and it, we're not seeing it, and that's why what it's, it's, we're seeing a guy fetches the ball, and usually nine times out of ten, you'd be swarmed. There'd be four or five. You just When someone gets, especially in midfields, a lot of the time you're nearly, you're coming down, landing on the ground yourself. That's gone from the GEA now. There's no six or seven players around you. You're trying to get up and you're trying to get out and you're trying to burst or you're called for over-carrying. Or, man, says, once the ball is caught clean, yeah. there's, there's, that's there's, great because that was the worst rule I played with for long. Yeah. Like, if you catch a ball and you come down and I am physically showing the ref, ref, I can't do anything here. Yeah. I'm swinging my elbows. Yeah. I'm doing everything I can. I'm only shot a box in your man. Other way, over yeah. time. What, ref, what could I have done? Like, yeah. And that's what you mean. It's it's, 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 it's And like, none you know? of that. It's like, yeah. bang, retreat yeah. 15 yards let's get the space behind me because yeah. when you when you are competing now around the middle it means there's a few more bodies there's no one-on-ones there's like five or six players so it gives you the opportunity to maybe get in over the man says get over the the kind of the half back line so there it doesn't it doesn't allow them to set up the defenses as much as much as they did because you have a free opportunity for a, for a, an immediate what they do just throw the ball to someone else and away it and goes it's gone, yeah but yeah. We, we still can't stop close though that's the biggest yeah. problem like close is still getting is, away with that, and that's better. what's horrible to watch he's still getting away with kicking the ball through cornerbacks like so I'm loving to see what Clare because Clare have the midfielders to dominate so yeah. like Fenton is very good in the air but I'd still back Mullock and Feely to win their fair share as well so I hope to God that they have a serious plan to make sure Cluxton has to kick 70% over the half back line, it's, you know? it's interesting Dublin are 1-14 to, to win that game Kildare 9-1 what's though, the handicap on that actually 9 points even though Kildare are a division 1 team now mm. this is the bit meant to be the biggest test they've had in years yeah. putting a record total on the team that was in the last two Leinster finals exactly like this is the thing that no one has talked about this we've been blowing up about Connolly and Jim and RTE and all this stuff but no one has mentioned the fact that they beat a decent championship team with some top level players like John Heston Kieran Martin you take a lot of these fellas yeah. and Dublin knocked the snot out yeah they did and we're not talking about it yeah yeah West made through in the towel after 15 minutes, so they did like it. Really but like, but really it was 4-4 four, four after 15 minutes. Well, I was like, oh, this could be a decent game. And maybe then, maybe, maybe 17 minutes. 15 to 4 points. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. They did, did, they make a, did they make a, a, a massive, a massive mistake in saying, look, we just have to go on toe-to-toe. That's what they did. And you're going, are they, are they absolutely <laughs> stupid? Because yeah. there's not a monkey's And a great player patting the back, you, you tried your best. Man says, you have to say to yourself, what is, it, what is the best way we can, we set can up, set yeah. up here? And if you're going boxing, like, you're going toe-to-toe with the best team in, in the last 50 years, you know, in my, in my mind. And they're, they're nearly getting better um, because the older guys are, look, are getting a little bit sharper and the younger boys are getting a little bit quicker. And it's, 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 it was phenomenal. Now, I do, it's a bit of a tease, the nine points. Mm, it is. Yeah. Like, I think if Claire, I think if Claire show up and play like they did against Maid, Dublin win by six. If they come up and you see rabbit and headlights, it could be 70 and 80 points. I do believe because Kaler could easily fall asunder. And if Hill 16 gets clapping after 50 minutes and Bernard Brogan and Kevin McMahon's released in and Clare already saying we have no chance of winning here, it could become seven points to 17 like that. Like, well, Mead haven't but, done Clare any favour since that, have they? Like, to, no, to there's form, no like, surprise I think, now, you know. Yeah. And Alan Brogan said last week, what's all this about Clare? Like, who's, like why did they bet a poor Mead team? Which mm-hmm. they did. Like, And I witnessed that I was at Navin and Mead were atrocious the other night. So they did, in theory, beat a, a poor Mead team. So we don't know, but... Here's hoping, please. <laughs> I want the dumb's bed, please. Well, thanks so much for my panel this week. Rory O'Connor, Rory Stories, David Brady, Anna Geary and Dunica Boyle. If you want to listen to The Throwing, you can subscribe on iTunes, on SoundCloud or get us on independent.ie. We'll be back next Monday to review the Great Hurling Qualifiers, the Munster Hurling Final and the Conic Football Final. So until then, thanks for listening and goodbye.